0: liberty
1: (laughs) well what is up all of our liberty loving friends this is another fantastic episode of the good morning liberty podcast and if you are checking your ears to make sure you're not going insane or anything right now you are correct i am in the studio right now full throated volume directly to your ear holes is what you're hearing from nate Nate Nathaniel Paul Thurston right now. Are
0: you doing the intro, man? I did the intro today. How? Yeah, because you pointed at me.
1: You know, I'm not like
0: I if you do the intro, how am I supposed to do it?
1: Well, I mean, there's, you know, nothing wrong with silver. It's nothing (laughs) wrong with silver at all, okay? Nothing wrong with it. You just bury it deep down, you know, just
0: never bring it up again. What the listeners really want to know, and this is for all the ones that are subscribed, because they've been here a while. The 92%ers have been here a while. They're our favorite people. It's you 8% of people that aren't subscribed that need to hit that subscribe button. But what the, what the people that are subscribed, the longtime listeners, what they really want to know, Nate, was how was the journey across the crusty Pay Lake? It was beautiful. And how many catfish did you get on the way over here? I
1: didn't get catfished on the way here in any way that I could tell. <laughs> um, but I saw a lot of people fishing out there. There were a lot of people like apparently just have time to fish. Because they can't, huh. they can't do anything else. Apparently, fish don't carry viruses, so they're fine. Right. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And uh, we're not arresting people for being on boats or anything. We're, you know, It's not like we're in Michigan or anything like that. So they're, <laughs> they're totally fine out there just fishing. And it's a beautiful drive across the lake to come Today's to your place. Today
0: a beautiful day.
1: Yeah, it's really nice out there. I'm thinking I might leave and go play golf maybe after this or something like that.
0: When was the last time you played golf? <sighs> when we were in Dallas. Oh, that's true. We yeah. did play, didn't we? Yeah,
1: we played when we were in Dallas. You actually had some nice chip shots. I did. I had a lot of nice shots and a lot of more terrible not nice shots. Nate yeah. and I have
0: been friends for a long time, in case you guys can't tell. We've been friends for a long time, business partners. We've done everything together pretty much except get married, um, which is good because we like chicks.
1: <laughs> Never made it but, official.
0: But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we used to golf all the time. Remember when we first moved to Nashville? It's like what we did all the time. Yeah. And back then we were real broke. Uh, we weren't poor. We were just broke. Yeah. There's a difference. But we would literally like we'd work an extra shift as a server just to make enough money to buy a tea time the next day. Yeah. And we would do that. You just call
1: in the work the next day, right. And go golf instead. <laughs> was, we both worked at Olive
0: Garden it was waiting so tables. So much fun. It <laughs> yeah. Was so awesome. I was thinking. I was actually having a conversation with somebody the other day. Uh, it was yesterday actually, and I was like, "Man, I could only imagine if this happened to me ten years ago." When we were serving and bartending, remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Before we hit the road. Like I used to make my rent money the week before it was due. I'd pick up a couple doubles or something. And you know my rent was it hovered between 300 to 700 depending when I was serving and bartending 10 years ago. Um it was 300 when we first moved here. Mm-hmm. It was 2 268 I believe. Yeah. It's what we all split. Which was so nice. I mean that was
1: Wow, we had a fifteen hundred square foot the apartment, was, and we were paying less than three hundred bucks a piece. There was in less inflation. It was awesome. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but anyway, I was telling someone, I was like, "Man, I used to literally because I kind of procrastinate." I was like, "I the week before I would when I would make my rent money. Imagine if the whole economy shut down and you can't go to a restaurant. I feel for those servers and those people. Yeah, it's it's got to be unbelievable. I was I even said I was like I would be homeless probably. Well, because imagine, I didn't have any savings saved up. Imagine, I didn't, imagine if you were on the road
1: right now. We, oh, yeah. tra- we traveled uh, touring. If you uh, say you didn't, uh, you weren't like an owner in the band that you were playing in, but you were a touring musician and you just got paid for shows that you were playing. You're not making crap right now. No, wh- whatsoever. Uh, at all donations
0: on instagram live that's about it that
1: would be about it maybe do some live uh, some stage it shows or something like that and that's all you're gonna get paid and this brings up a good point by the way this is the good morning liberty podcast and all of you guys should subscribe hit that subscribe button like charlie said the 92 percenters 92 percent of the devices that listen to this show subscribe not the devices themselves, it's the the people who are controlling the devices, hit subscribe or follow or whatever it is. So we greatly appreciate that. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. We're going to point out a few problems, some issues here, and we're going to try to talk about what the real solution to these things would be, which is a very difficult conversation because a lot of times it's difficult to fix a very complicated problem that is 100, 200 years in the making. So it's very difficult to fix the problems. None of the solutions are as simple as, oh, we'll just write a, track, a check and everything will be fine. And then everyone's lives is gonna be, are going to be great after that. It's going to be amazing. That's not the solution, by the way. There's no solution where the right bill gets passed and then all of a sudden everyone has money. That's that's not what happens. It's going to take a lot of personal responsibility. Yep. It's going to take realizing that we're in a difficult situation right now that we've been placed in by a virus and then the government's response to that virus, which is to block you from being productive. And now we are in this situation and there is nothing about this situation that says everything's going to be fine and everything's going to be easy. There is nothing about this depression that we're about to head into or recession that says you're not about to go through really hard times. There's no rule that says that everything's going to be super easy. So you got to accept that. First off, if we're going to destroy the economy, if we're going to shut down production, if we're going to stop people from being able to produce value, then people are going to receive less value. That's that's going to be the answer. So we were talking about, you said you would have you would have
0: been homeless if this would have happened yeah. when you were a server. Well, shoot, five years ago, I guess I would have been homeless. Yeah.
1: And that's it's this reminds me of something that bernie sanders tweeted last night that i responded to which is that most of americans uh don't have money for what was it like a 400 dollar emergency yeah, yeah a 400 hundred dollar emergency and you said you know i think we can both be compassionate and we can say i feel bad for the servers who did not know that this was about to happen right, right? but also you also have to say hey who how about we all plan for the future
0: well, look, how do we do that? I was gonna say, if this time can teach us anything, and I've been telling you guys to pay attention, if this time can teach you anything about what's happened, is that almost everything that happens outside of your life is out of your control. What you need to do is making is making sure that you're taking responsibility for what you can control in your life. Now, what can you control? Well, you can, you can control how much you educate yourself. You can control how hard you work. You can control what time you wake up. You can control cleaning your room. You can control all those things we talk about every single day, which is personal responsibility that leads to a life pursuing meaning to where you are able to face adversity when everyone else is panicking. And if this time can teach you anything is that, you know, uh, Stephanie asked me the other day, she was like, you know, what are you, what are you thankful for? And I thought that was a great question. And I was like, man, what am I thankful for? Well, I'm thankful that I was lucky enough to be born in still the best country in the history of the world. Now America has her problems and we talk about them frequently and we're going to tell you a lot America about America's been
1: a little bit more of a Karen lately. Yes. Not, you know, if, if she it's has. A she, she's been a little bit more of a Karen She lately. has,
0: even though yeah. apparently that's now racist to say against yeah. white women. <laughs> I thought you couldn't be racist against whites. <laughs> I didn't think but
1: white racism existed. Though. You can
0: be racist against white women, just yeah, not just white e- men. Exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's in Webster's Dictionary, I think. But anyway, <laughs> America's being a Karen because we don't care. <laughs> Listen, comedy doesn't care about your feelings either. All right. So anyway, this time really should teach you of like, if you're in a rough spot, how do you prepare for the next one? And I'm not talking about being a prepper and building a bunker and doing all that stuff. I'm not saying that's a bad idea either, but I'm just telling you, how about you look at your life, look inwardly and say, I'm in the position I'm in today, especially if you're facing adversity because of the decisions that I made. Now, luckily four years ago, I had found some people to help shape my life in a different direction. And I'm now in a position where even if I lost all my contracts tomorrow, I'm I'm pretty set. We're, we would be pretty set for a while, for a little while. And, and so it's like you you have to, and I know this is painful, and I know a lot of people might give me flack for this, but you have to look at whatever situation it is, and even if it's not your fault, you own it as your fault. Because what does that do? It's the most powerful thing that you can do as a human being. It What it does is it transfers that responsibility to everyone else, and blaming everyone else and blaming conditions to, to yourself. And then what that does is that actually gives you the control and power over it. Because if it's everyone else's fault, well, they all have the control. You're reliant on them to make good decisions for you. Whereas if it's your fault, then you have full control and power to, to start making different decisions. Now it's not going to be, there's no perfect utopia. You can't prepare for a, whatever. I mean, if a nuclear bomb goes off in Nashville, like I'm going to die, there's no amount of there's personal, no, responsibility, there's no amount of personal responsibility. responsibility, no amount of personal responsibility. Exactly. But to set yourself up to be the, in the very best possible scenario that you can imagine to face adversity, it starts with yourself. It starts with you. It starts with personal responsibility. Liberty starts with you and the freedoms and the, and the, uh, the most amazing life you could ever live starts with personal responsibility and pursuing meaning in your life. So when the world comes crashing down, your wife cheats on you, your husband cheats on you. When you lost your scholarship, when you lose your job, when your business goes under all of the, all of those adversities, your dad dies, your mom dies, your brother dies, all of these terrible things in life that are inevitable to happen to you. If you set yourself up, to take personal responsibility for those. You give yourself the best chance to face all that adversity by pursuing a life of meaning, by adopting personal responsibility. And to me, that's the most important thing that you can learn. And, and I've learned a lot of that lately from Jordan Peterson. I think he does a fantastic job of articulating that for people. And it's something that I feel like I've known for a long time and and really started adopting about four to five years ago when we started this business and we started this endeavor. And we always knew that We wanted to control our own lives. And uh, just to give you a little bit of inspiration today, hopefully that's a little bit bit motivating on this Monday. I love Mondays. I
1: think the gratitude thing is really important. Having gratitude is very important. I was having a terrible day on Friday, I believe, and I warmed up one of my Freshly meals. And man, it just looked terrible. This is not an endorsement of Freshly whatsoever. (laughs) It just looked terrible. And I was having a terrible day, woes me. And I sat down and I was like, man, even my freshly meal doesn't look so fresh right now. This looks pretty bad. And I sat down and I stared at my food for a minute. And I and all I could come up with was somewhere there's there's a, a mom or a parent in some country somewhere that is hoping they can get enough food or water to their children today so they don't starve to death and so they don't die of thirst. And I'm sitting here staring. At this Freshly meal, I'm on my own two legs, and I'm just talking about how this thing isn't good or I'm having a bad day. Like, man, I've got the life right now. I was just able to sit down on my nice couch in my nice house and warm up this freaking expensive meal that didn't turn out so great. And that's the worst thing that I can come up with? That's pretty good. Have some gratitude for the fact that you can even have a meal that you can complain And you can feel sad, and it's because maybe you had to downgrade your Netflix account or something like that. Like, that's amazing. It's amazing that that's the problem that we have and that we're not all just in a civil war all the time and fighting over water and, and food all the time. It's amazing, the world that we live in. And I think having gratitude, that's very important. And One of the things you can do for the personal responsibility that we're talking about here is work on your savings. Now, I don't think that savings, I, you know, we we kind of crap talked Dave Ramsey a little bit because I don't like Dave Ramsey's overall message, which is don't do anything and be safe. <clears throat> be safe. That's yeah. his message is be safe. I don't think you need to be safe, but I do think you need to be smart. I think those are two very different things. There's a difference between spending money lavishly on every single thing that you can possibly think of and never saving up any money whatsoever and saving up so much money and never doing a single thing at all. They're both really gonna lead to the same unhappiness, I think. Like like if I have a bunch of money in my bank account but I never do anything, then that's not really gonna make me feel any better. But if I spend all my money and I'm, and I'm out of money and I don't have any of that whatsoever, then I'm not gonna feel very happy about that either. So there's a balance. You need to not just be so safe that you don't move, but also smart. And so if you are earning an income right now, and hopefully you were doing this over the last six months or over the last year, you need to be saving up enough money to pay your bills for three months, four months, for whatever happens. We didn't know that coronavirus was going to happen last year. That's not something we were looking at, but it was still smart to save up money just in case something happened. We've been, hey, we're all libertarians talking right here, okay? We've been talking about the economy collapsing down to nothing since, since we were kids, okay? That's what we've been talking about. So you're telling me that you weren't trying to get ready for when that happened? Yeah. It doesn't matter if it was a virus or if it was anything whatsoever. It doesn't matter what it was. You should have been saving up and getting ready for it. And now, if you didn't do that, I realize no one's got a time machine. We don't have a time machine yet. We still weren't. We're we are we're still working on it. Charlie and I back in that import, in that apartment that we were paying 280 bucks a month apiece for. Yeah. We drew out the specs for a time machine.
0: We started that conversation in yeah. your trailer though. Yeah. Back yeah. in the old in the old old trailer.
1: In the olden days. And we were trying to yeah. see since it was made out of aluminum and your if cat, we could get it going fast enough that maybe it would go through time. And, and your so, cat
0: was hanging off the ceiling fan. That's my cat never hung and off we the
1: ceiling like, fan. And we were like, if we could
0: spin this cat around fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, just maybe it could time travel. And if it can do that, then uh, we can. That was our hypothesis.
1: That does not help because my mom convinced that I like put the cat we on the ceiling fan or something. That never happened. She was always so scared of the ceiling fan. I don't I know. know why. That's Listen, that's, trust me. That's you why can I never get a cat on the ceiling fan. No. Okay. You could never do it. I
0: tried. <laughs> so, so I'm telling you, mom, we never got the cat on the ceiling fan. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> okay.
1: So let's talk a little bit about some news. There's some big things going on, some really important things going on. Can
0: I wrap that up real quick? Sure. Because I know, look, I know some of you listeners came over from Stapleton. You guys, we ran some ads on Jason Stapleton. You guys have hit us up and said, hey, I found you guys through Stapleton. Love the show. And we love that feedback. One thing I want to remind you that Jason Stapleton used to say all the time, I haven't heard him say it in a while on his show, but he used to say it all the time. And he he made it really simple. He's like, if you want to get rich in this country, it's very simple. You spend less than you make and you take the leftover and you save and invest it in things that you understand, save and invest in things you understand. If you don't understand something, then you go get that experience to understand it, uh, like trading, right? Yeah. So if you don't understand what the markets are doing or how to day trade or anything like that, that you want to do with the money that you've saved, that so you can invest it and, and make more money over time. Then you go and get that education, which we offer at mastermytrades.com. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I I always love how he put that simply, that to get rich in this country, it doesn't matter recession, depression, uh, bear market. a a bullish market Maurice said he said that on friday i haven't listened to friday's episode of course he hasn't said it in a while and then he said it friday it's
1: been a few days now
0: yeah so anyway just a a quick reminder for all the listeners that maybe don't listen to jason tableton which you should go check out his podcast it's it's still great wealth power and influence it's a great great show i still listen to it on the reg except for friday obviously (laughs) but anyway uh so go go check that out but i always loved how he put that simply uh so to kind of sum up all of that is is not just Savings or three or four months or whatever, but you know you spend less than you make and you save and invest in the rest, uh, save and inv- save and invest the rest in industries and things that you understand. And what that does is, is it sets you up for when adversity comes because adversity is coming. It's actually here now. Yeah. But we're going to recover from this. Is that an old old wooden ship? Yes. We're going to recover from this That's diversity. My bad. And every <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going to recover from this. And then everyone's going to be riding the train again at full speed ahead, and you're going to be living life large, and you're going to not have $400 anymore for an emergency. And the the Fed's going to promise that we'll never have another another recession, and the next president's going to promise that we're going to see the highest gains ever, and nothing's ever going to fall off. And then all of a sudden, adversity's going to hit, because it always does. And it doesn't matter if it's a global pandemic. Maybe it's a national epidemic. Maybe your dad dies, and you weren't expecting it. Like adversity is coming, you have to p- at least plan for that somewhat smartly, you know.
1: Somewhat smartly, not fully. Right. Don't go full smart. Everyone knows that.
0: Well, I, I meant safe. Don't yeah. go full safe. <laughs> somewhat safely, but you want to do it. You want to do it smart. And, yeah. and and then when adversity hits, you're prepared to take advantage of the opportunities when when everyone else is panicking. I so, like it. So there you go. That's right. that's my feel good Monday story.
1: All right. See you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> Peace.
0: You said well, you, you wanted to get some, to yeah. some news I got today. a couple
1: news items here. This is from Common Dreams, which is a big old lefty socialist website, so it's always fun to read. Things on there. Hey, to each their own. Look,
0: you got to get your news from everywhere, man.
1: You do. You got to. You got to listen to what your uh, the people who think differently than you are saying. That way, you can learn what their common responses would be, so you can destroy them. So that's <laughs> that's what you have to do. So you got to be able to read things like that, and that's what I was doing reading this article on Common Dreams. Making
0: org. the videos that says Nate Thurston destroys there socialist. Go. There you go. There you go.
1: The DestroyThisCommonDreams.org. org. This. In a nation without Medicare for all, 3.5 million workers may have lost employer-provided insurance over the last two weeks. Now, it's not even they lost it. Already, the headline is they may have lost
0: it. I don't even know so, why they even put the word may in there. I don't know It's not why. necessary. I mean, I, I actually commend them for putting may in they there. They did.
1: So At least
0: they... they- <laughs> They didn't make a blanket the tr- false headline like we read on Friday. The truth is in the title. They're not saying <laughs> that
1: 3.5 million workers lost it. They're saying they might have and they don't they, know. <laughs> That's what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate the
0: honesty yeah, here. commentary right yeah, there.
1: Not bad. A new analysis estimates that 3.5 million U.S. workers may have lost their job-tied health insurance in just the last two weeks. Now, listen. tangent already after the first sentence we've been talking about how there are important things tied to shutting down and destroying the entire economy. Now, employer provided insurance, surprisingly enough, is not one of the things that we've really talked about, but we've been talking about how there is a cost benefit analysis to be done on everything. Unfortunately, unfortunately, and when you're talking about the potential
0: pesky CBAs, man, pesky,
1: pesky and listen, when you're talking about millions of people losing their insurance and not being able to get adequate healthcare, well then that matters and that's going to have a cost. I was also listening to Ben Shapiro's Sunday special and he had someone on there talking about how they've seen a massive decrease in people coming into the hospital with heart problems. And it's not because heart problems are going down. It's because they haven't been coming into the hospital. They've been staying home and dying. That's what they've been doing. And um, that's, that's kind of a sensitive uh, sensitive subject for some people, but People are skipping away from the hospital. They're not going because they don't want to get sick, or people are not going to their yearly checkups, or people are skipping chemo treatments, or they're skipping infusions, or they're doing all kinds of things. Because
0: they don't want to get the they don't want to get the virus. Because they
1: don't want to get the virus. The hospitals are shutting down massive sections of their care. Not that they're shutting down chemo and infusions, but they're just typically they're staying away because of this whole thing. And that has a cost that is not just people getting the virus or not getting the virus. That has very systemic problems of people maybe losing years off of their life from the cancers they have or from the other diseases that they have or maybe they're not checking up on their heart problems and they're dying of heart attacks. There's years cost off of people's lives when you do this and I don't think that we're SOBs for talking about this whatsoever I think it's actually compassionate to say hey am I actually saving people's lives or are we killing a million people should we talk about that? Should we talk about it?
0: Now, my so. girlfriend works. Uh, she's an ER nurse uh, downtown Nashville in the in one of the, the worst parts of town. Um, you could call it the uh, low income part of town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she works there. And there's a very large homeless population that comes into her ER all the time. Now, in the last month, all of those people have disappeared. They, they're they not coming in. The The ER is running at a, let's say a normal pace where they're actually sending some people home and, and things like that, as far as workers are concerned, um, because we, Tennessee didn't get hit very hard. We have a total of like six, 6,500 cases, I believe, and only a few hundred deaths. So it's, it's not very, we didn't get hit hard here at all, like not compared to New York, but so the people coming in, everyone's afraid to come into the hospital, everyone. And so you don't have now a lot of a lot of them were kind of, they were coming in for BS reasons. yeah. Um, and so it's good that those people are staying away, but the ones that were coming in for semi-serious stuff that maybe turned serious, they're not coming in either. Yeah. And so there's empirical evidence at one hospital I know of that that's not happening. And this is happening all across the, the the nation right now. You're dead on about that. How many people are dying because they're not actually getting treatment that they need uh, if the virus wasn't here? If, for- the, if the fear of catching this virus wasn't here. For the other
1: thousand things that human beings die of on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, they're not paying attention to those things anymore. We just have to make sure the scene, we got to make sure we get the coronavirus numbers down. Now, if all the other numbers spike, well, that's unfortunate, but at least we got the coronavirus numbers down. It's actually I,
0: more risky for you to drive over here, mm-hmm. especially going around the lake and all those curves and stuff like that, you know? Um, Unless I
1: was working on show, though, it's my whole time here. Yeah, on the way here,
0: right? That's definitely more. Da- you had a better chance of dying on the way here than catching COVID nineteen mm-hmm. and dying from
1: it. I can't remember what the statistic was, but if you drive more than nine miles to go to work, you've got oh, it's it's maybe five times as likely to die on the way to work than you would be from if you get COVID. If you get it, yeah, you're you're way more likely to die on the way. To work than even die if you get COVID, not even the chances of getting it. So anyway, the COVID-19 pandemic lays bare the cruelty of tying health insurance coverage to employment, wrote Ben Zipperer, an economist at the Economic Policy Institute on Twitter.
0: Now, okay, so let me stop there, though, because it's, it's estimating three and a half million workers may have lost. Yeah. As of last week, in, in the four weeks since the shutdown, basically... 22 million Americans have filed for unemployment now. Yeah. Now, what numbers did we talk about? We said 10 million. Mm -hmm. If there's 5 million left over, that's 200,000 deaths. So now if half the people don't get their jobs back, you're looking at 10 million. That's 400,000 deaths potentially just from economic shutdown. And we're worried about three and a half of people, three and a half million. You may have lost their health. And what about the other? What about the other 18, 19 million?
1: Well, and how many lives are you trying to save by doing the shutdown versus the statistics we have on people who die who otherwise would not have uh, in a massive depression? Right. So that that's important. The analysis from Zipper, I'm just going to call him Zipper from now on, and EPI Director of Research Josh Bivens came the same day data from the U.S. Department of Labor revealed that 6.6 million Americans filed jobless claims just last week, more than double the previous record of 3.28 million claims filed the week before. Okay, let's see. The analysis also provides fresh fresh evidence for Medicare for All Advocates' long-standing argument that the current healthcare system in which roughly half of Americans rely on their employer for healthcare coverage must be abandoned in favor of the system that guarantees coverage to everyone regardless of employment. It is especially terrifying for workers to lose their health insurance as a result of and during an ongoing pandemic, wrote Zipper and Bivens. While a 3.5 million estimated figure of newly uninsured people is bleak, the number may be even higher, the analysis finds. Not that it might be lower, the, the number might be higher. So this is a this is a pretty basic problem. There's, there's a few issues that are going on here. Number one, I will agree that your health insurance does not need to be tied to your employer. Now I think it can be, I think that that's fine but we definitely moved into a massive system where your employer provided your health insurance. Due to uh, FDR and the, and the, the plans of taking, uh, basically taking away the possibility of your employer offering you more money, this is when people decided that they were going to offer more benefits. So there's obviously a loophole. They did wage freezes during the depression, and they made sure that your employers could not offer you more money.
0: Yeah, so, I was gonna say, is anybody asking that question? Like, why are we doing what? this? Why was in Why was health insurance tied to employers to begin with? There's yeah. oh well, there's an answer for that.
1: There's two main answers. One, it was the wage freeze, which pushed people into offering benefits. And number two, it was the deal with Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, was the first one where employers can purchase group health insurance at a at pre tax numbers. They can purchase it with untaxed money. So employers actually get better deals on health insurance because they've got a deal with the government where they can buy it with pre-tax money. Whereas when you make your money and you're gonna buy private insurance, it gets taxed and then you go to buy the insurance. So you're at a major disadvantage by the, to the tune of 20, 30% at that time, as opposed to what the employer can pay. So now we've moved into this massive system where the only uh, the only affordable health insurance is really through your employer and the problem is you get that health insurance and then what happens if you lose your job now there's all sorts of other problems that come from that because there are people who will not move jobs there are people who will stay in the same line of work because maybe they developed a pre-existing condition and they've already got this health insurance coverage and now they can't switch jobs they can't take this other opportunity because they can't switch their health insurance this happens all the time What kind of productivity decreases does that cause throughout the economy where people who could be more efficient elsewhere end up staying in one position for a longer time? Then you gotta look at the ripple effect that happens outward from that. So this is a, it started with a very basic problem and it's grown into this monstrosity that is gonna be pretty difficult to get out of because we've made health insurance so freaking expensive. Now this wouldn't be such a big issue if we didn't do everything we possibly could, not me and Charlie, but the, the U.S. government themselves, if they didn't do everything they possibly could to make health insurance as expensive as they possibly could, they take away competition. They, ta- they, they do everything they can to take away competition. They favor businesses buying insurance over just private people, like we said, they're getting tax, using pre-tax money to buy the insurance. There's all kinds of things that make it a non-free market where private health insurance is so freaking expensive. They've added all these things that you've got to get. Charlie buying private insurance has probably got to have pregnancy coverage for himself due to Obamacare. So there's all kinds of crazy things that happen inside of this. This is not as simple. What I'm trying to say is this is not as simple as we need Medicare for all. That's what we need because we have a terrible system where you can only get insurance through your employers. It's not that simple whatsoever. This is a complicated problem that started a long time ago. It wasn't that complicated then, but now we've made it very difficult to fix right now. And the answer is not more government. The answer is not more government, especially in an economic shutdown, because where does the government get its money? How's the government going to pay for healthcare for everyone? When the government's negative $24 trillion in its bank account, it didn't save, by the way. It wasn't being personally responsible whatsoever. It wasn't saving up for three months of income so it could pay bills or anything like that. No. It's negative $24 trillion in its bank account. How's the government going to magically have money to pay for everyone's health care when they shut down all the productive entities within the economy that they steal money from all the time? I don't understand what happens inside of people's brains that make them think that this somehow makes sense. You can just create new money out of thin air. That, well, oh, well, the problem, since people are being fired because the businesses are forced to close, is that the government needs to be providing insurance for money that it takes from businesses and people's incomes. How do you shut off people's businesses and shut off people's incomes and also say that you're going to use the tax revenue from those things to pay for benefits for people? Can someone please tell me how this makes sense? Because I can't make it make sense. Either Either I'm too stupid or I'm way too smart to have this conversation. It's one of those two things, and I it, don't know how to make it work.
0: It doesn't work. I mean, we, you saw this in Russia. Look, the, one of the first things they did was they killed off all the productive farmers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, you know, you want to get rid of Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and all these evil, rich, rich greedy people. I mean, where are you going to get the money from if you get rid of them? Where does it come from? Look at Venezuela right now. They got rid of all the greedy, rich oil producers. And then what happened? Well, now oil's $10 a barrel. I, there's no stories coming out of Venezuela, but I guarantee it's bad. Yeah. It's got to be real bad They're, right
1: they now. They can't post any stories. They probably lost all power by now. There's they, no way that we can even get the stories.
0: It, it's got to be god awful right now because they they needed oil to maintain at least I think $55 fifty five dollars a barrel. 60,
1: yeah, something like that. And
0: they are so inefficient now because they got rid of all these greedy people who provided inefficiencies and innovations. And it's like, look, you see it play out throughout history all the time, all of the time. And why do we think this time it'll be different? It won't. It will never be different. It it just won't, and I and I you know, I just I can't get past how we just never learn. We just never learn. You know, I saw a post the other day on this whole coronavirus thing, right? And it said it was comparing uh, the Spanish flu, and what happened was is you know like we uh, I think two or three million people died. There were stay-at-home orders back then in 1918, but they were also in the middle of World War uh, World War One. Uh, happened and then they had this big parade in New York, like 200,000 people came out and they had a resurgence of the Spanish flu and killed another couple million people. Um, and they were trying to celebrate the end of the war and this whole stay at home order and things like that. And, and somebody posted like, Oh, those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. And I'm like, you're comparing apples and oranges in, in that scenario, because it's like you're saying. Uh, You know, back in 1918, the sanitation wasn't the same. People weren't washing their hands. They didn't even know what a virus was at that time. So it's a completely different scenario than having a resurgence of the coronavirus, although I think we will have a little bit of one as we open things back up. But it's not going to be the same as a Spanish flu. But however, you can look at the history of economics and see that when you separate people into groups, either by ethnic or race or by class, and you start hating those people and getting rid of them, all it does is lead to death and destruction. That's all it's ever done. And if we do the same thing and get rid, get rid of all competition, as Marie says here, we get rid of all the rich people, and we shut down these evil, greedy corporations, where are you going to get the money to pay for all the things you're promising these people? You, you won't. They will just they, they, they can't even pay it. their own pensions right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it just—it doesn't make any sense, man. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, and
1: that's that. I can't understand how people are deciding in this in this situation. Now we knew people are going to take this. Obviously, our side's going to see this one way, and the other side's going to see it the other. When we see what's happening right now, we're like, man, if this wasn't ever proof that you don't need to be dependent on the government. For anything whatsoever. I mean, th- right here. This is proof right here. And then of course the people who are on the left or the socialist side are like, man, if this wasn't proof that capitalism is just completely terrible and we need a all powerful massive government, then I don't know what else it is. And so now it's we just entrenched further into our ideas. And like Charlie said, this this doesn't end well if you go throughout this. You know, there's a small percentage of people that are actually um, Extremely productive, hyper-productive, very good at everything that they do. And yeah, sometimes guess what? Those people, a percentage of them are gonna rise to the top. They're gonna have more money than everyone else. And then to those who have everything, everything will be given. And those who have nothing, everyone, everything will be taken. There's a there is the Matthew principle, the 80-20 rule, all these things. The more Pareto you have, distribution. The the Pareto distribution, the more you have, the more you're going to have. And you see that in everything, by the way. So th- these people rise to the top. And then the answer is for some people is to, to destroy them. And we'll just get down back to the society who uh, of people who were not in that small percentage of hyper productive, hyper successful people. Yeah. And then we'll all just be better after that. By the way, the Pareto distribution is crazy. You even see it. It's amazing to see it take place on social media. The Pareto dist- distribution, if you imagine, if you have a lot of money, if you have a lot of capital, well, it's going to be a lot easier for you to take a lot more risks and make more investments, and you're going to be able to weather this storm a lot easier. You're going to be able to take more risk, which means you're going to be able to gain more money over time, and then you'll have more freedom to take more risk and you'll be able to rise up faster than other people. That's just the way it is. And if you're very poor, everything's going to be a lot harder, and there's a lot lower chance until you break through that level there's a lower chance that you're going to be able to make it. And that's just the way it is. You see the same thing on social media. By the way, if you've got 100,000 fans on Facebook and you post something, well, you're going to get a couple thousand shares on it. And therefore, you're going to reach a whole lot more people. Versus if you only got uh, 10 fans on Facebook and you post something and one person shares it, well, then you've got a lot less. Then you see it on Instagram where you're not able to post a link. As a business, unless you have more than ten thousand right. followers, mm-hmm. so we don't have more than ten thousand. We have six thousand something on Instagram. We can't,
0: almost seven. We're we close. can't
1: post a link to our podcast on Instagram because you have to have over ten thousand followers to post a link. Now, everyone who is over that ten thousand number can post links, and they can grow much faster than we can. All while all the while we're sitting down here. And you're up there and we're over here and we're trying to figure out how to grow it without being able to post links to all the things that we do. It's amazing to see the the Pareto distribution. It, it's natural in, in everything and it's you natural look, in
0: wealth. I mean, you look at YouTube, you look at Instagram, TikTok, it doesn't matter. A few people get all of the views, mm-hmm. all of them. A few people get all of the shares. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a few shares left for people, but it's a very select few. You know, a few... Basketball players make all of the money in the NBA. A few basketball players even make it to the NBA. Yeah. You know, very small percentage. A few people make CEO in their life. You know, a few people become one person becomes the richest man in the world. Every so often. You there know? can't be more it's, than one person. Right. that's the richest person in the world. <clears throat> you know, no I was way. watching. It's very easy, I think, for a lot of people to see that there's always going to be. Uh, a bottom 20%. You know, we posted a video not that long ago uh, about Thomas Sowell discussing poverty and, and this uh, this secretary, poverty secretary, I think, from Pennsylvania were saying there's always going to be a bottom 20%. Yes, there will always be a bottom 20%. There's always going to be a 1%. There's a 1%
1: in Venezuela.
0: Yes. Yeah, there is a 1% in Venezuela. Those are the people who have no water. His name is Maduro. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> if you exclude the government, there is a 1% in, uh, you know, I've been in Djibouti, Africa. If you exclude the government... There's still a the top one percent in Djibouti, Africa. Those are the people that had enough cloth to put a door on the front of their little shanty shack yeah. that they have. Or those are the people that have enough water to make it until two days from now. There's a one percent. There's still a one percent. There are people who are about to die right now, and there are people who have enough water for the next two days. And there are there is always a distribution between people. It never it never ensures you that the top 1% are going to be people who are just living in palaces, but there's always going to be a 1% that's doing better than the other 99%. Right. It'll always be the case in most of these countries. It happens to be the government. Those are the people,
0: by the way, this isn't just in the human world, by the way, this happens in the animal kingdom. Yeah. Right. There's a few lions that eat all of the meat, (laughs) really
1: fat lions. Yeah.
0: And they, they share some with their family but another lion from another pride comes in to try to eat Carol
1: Baskin's husband. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They'll they'll eat Carol Baskin's husband and then uh, Joe Exotic will shoot him. Mm -hmm. And then the other lions will eat that one. And that's, that's how the the whole animal kingdom works.
1: Yeah. It just eats one lion down to the other lion down to your typical house cat. And then all the way down to your, your other smaller house cat, all the way down to the single cell House cat yeah. all the way down to the
0: bottom one. Look, a few chim- a few chimpanzees eat all of the 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 monkeys that they catch and eat <laughs> and kill. Do they eat monkeys? Yeah, colobus monkeys, man. What they hunt them. Monkeys yeah. eat monkeys. Yeah, chimps, chimps. eat monkeys. It's, they're kind of the same, but a little different. That's messed up. They do. Yeah, they hunt them. Huh. It's it's quite insane. They're very smart at how they do it. They they hunt in groups. But what's funny is, you know the the lower ranking chimps. They may only get like, you know, part of an arm, whereas, <laughs> whereas the higher ranking chimps, and they all know this, they, they know the structure and the order of the hierarchy. And Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time. And Jane Goodall has done, has done studies on this. And so it's like, look, the higher order ranking chimps are the ones that eat most of the, of the capture, even if they weren't part of the hunt. Yeah. You know, it's the ones in the lowest and the, there's a Pareto distribution in life in general. I, look. There's a there's a few uh, uh, there's only a few galaxies that have all of the stars. It, yeah. It's it's a it's a universal type of thing, you know, it, it, and you can't blame this on humans or capitalism or or anything like that. It's it's a, basically a rule.
1: And the, the point is that taking away the capitalist system does nothing to take away any of the things that you hate about the capitalist system. It just transfers that to the government and actually makes it worse because the government right. can kill you, they have the right to kill you. And Walmart does not have the right to physically kill you. That They don't have the right to do that. So And so this, it it gets a lot worse when you transfer it to the government and there's always this rich, wealthy class that was the case in Russia. It's the case in China, the case in Germany, the, the case in Venezuela, all the African countries that I've been to. It's always the case that there is a rich and wealthy class. And you're never going to get away from that. You have to decide what system is the best to be to work
0: with And, well, and that's, the, what I, that's where I was going to go. I said, let's take this a little deeper because, look, the the inequality, the Pareto distribution, whatever you want to call it. It is universal and it's not just in humans, it's in galaxies, it's in the cosmos, it's in the universe, it's in the atoms, it's in height, it's It's
1: in all kinds of things. It's
0: in everything. Okay. So now look, that problem is impossible to solve, right? Because it's basically, it's a theory. However, it's basically could be proven into law, right? So you have to take that as a rule. Can you solve the problem of inequality across all spectrums of existence and reality? The answer to that is no. Okay, so what do you do about that, right? If there's going to be some form of inequality, there's always going to be a bottom 20%. There's always going to be a top 20%. What do you do about that? And the answer is what we preach every single day is giving people. I always look up at our sign because I love it. The Good Morning Liberty podcast. I, I look up at this thing because what we preach every single day is that people being as free as they possibly can be allows them to move. From the bottom 20% up into the top 20%, because they have the freedom to exchange with people and 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 take their ideas to the next level and create efficiency and innovation and all of these things that are afforded to us. Look, the poorest people among us today are richer than the wealthiest person ever was 50 years ago. It 50 years ago. You want to know how I know that? Yeah, because you know I know that because uh, they didn't have Uber. Yeah. They didn't have Uber Eats. They didn't have uh, Amazon delivery. They didn't have it in this middle, in the middle of this pandemic, they couldn't just order things online and have it shipped to them. The, the internet didn't exist. They, you know, all these internet companies, Facebook, and I mean, uh, what was it? I looked it up not that long ago, but since the invention of the internet, it's added about, um, I think it was $10 trillion worth of economic gain worldwide or something like that, or 20 mm-hmm. trillion. It was something mm-hmm. massive. Yeah. They didn't have that back then. And so it's like, if you take this a little bit deeper, how do you solve the problem of inequality? And what I like, what Jordan Peterson says is that the people, especially on the left, the progressives, they don't take it. They don't take it seriously enough. There is no way to solve that problem. It's impossible. It is an impossible problem to solve. And so what do you do? Well, you have to set up societies where people can be as free as they can to make it from the bottom 20% to the, to the, to the top. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to be By people being as free as we can possibly make them. And
1: that's the thing. You have to do everything you can to not to pick everyone up from the bottom, but to take all the freaking barriers out of their way so they can do it they can move up easier. And you need to do things like not doing everything you can to make health insurance more expensive or to make health care more expensive, which by the way is a massive reason that health insurance is so expensive because health care is so expensive, so that they are tied to each other. And the things that we do with health insurance, since it's so prevalent in employers and the, a guaranteed thing that a lot of people end up having, well, that also helps the price of health care increase because more people have the insurance to pay for it. So, the, you know, if everyone had house insurance that paid for your house, then houses <laughs> would be more expensive. You know, that, that's just something like well, if you got house insurance from your employer, houses would be very expensive. Yeah. You know, and so, the
0: insurance would be very expensive. And the insurance on the
1: house <laughs> would be very expensive. Yeah. So the, this raises the cost of everything. So. We don't want to just take from the top and give it to the bottom because all that does is average the society down. That's all it does. It takes. It doesn't create at the top. It doesn't create at the bottom. All it does is steal from the top, averages what is the top down to the middle, and then there's no growth, which means the middle over time just declines and declines and declines because you're not doing anything to promote growth whatsoever. You know,
0: this is the same problem they have in energy, by the way. Yeah. You know, people had the theory that you know, take a, take a, an alternator, for example, right? Well, you're producing power. So why don't you just take that power that you're producing and recycle it? Mm -hmm. And it's going to just keep producing more power, right? No, eventually it goes down to zero because you're not introducing any new energy to it. Like eventually Mm -hmm. the, 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 the things, the energy, the, the things that, that spin and cycle or whatever, anything in the energy department, if you're not introducing new energy, eventually it, it will stop. You can't have a car, let's say that runs, um, and, and keeps using the same energy. The only way you can do that is in space, right? Because we have things because in the
1: actual spinning doesn't burn energy exactly. because there's no gravity
0: against exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. In, in a world full of gravity and other laws, like the Pareto distribution and things like that, you can't create an energy cell that powers itself. Yeah. Right. So it's the same principle. Because it
1: burns energy while doing that. Therefore the same, it goes to zero.
0: It's the same principle. If you're always taking from the top and giving it to the bottom and then expect for that cycle to always continue and energize itself, you'll never do it. What Nate said is that the whole society starts to decline and eventually everyone is just starving.
1: Eventually the middle <laughs> becomes what the bottom used to be. Right. And then it just keeps getting worse and, and worse. And the bottom
0: becomes death. Yeah. And exactly. the top goes down to the middle, and then the middle goes down to the bottom. The bottom becomes death, and it just yeah. keeps going all the it, way to death. People,
1: like Marisha said, then the bottom will just turn around and give their money back to the top. And that's a really funny point that I've made a lot of times, which is that, what do you guys think? You know, we always ask, how did all these people get all this money at the top? What do you think people do with their stimulus checks? Do you think that they give it to a bunch of poor people? No, they buy things with it they give the money back to the top. That's that's always the funny thing is that all you're doing is you just cycle this back up to the top. It's trickle up taxation is all we have all the time. (laughs) And that's what we're all working on is you give everyone this money and the whole while people are trying to get around actually having to create value to receive value. That's what everyone's trying to get around. How can I receive value without having to return value back to other people? That's the question everyone's trying to figure out and there's no answer to it. You will not receive value that you did not create without destroying value from other people. That's just how it's going to work. And if the entire society does that, you end up with no value. Final answer.
0: Final answer. Yeah. You know how many people I saw out car shopping on Sunday? Oh, yeah. So many. And I was like, what are people doing buying cars? I was like, oh, stimulus checks, especially if you had kids. Mm -hmm. You got four kids and you're married. Mm -hmm. You're looking at almost $5,000. Yeah, Good down payment on a new vehicle that's that's oh stimulus plus <laughs> you don't
1: have to make any payments for a few months that's what they're doing let's all take this opportunity stimulus. to get in debt how about we just do that
0: yeah. man <laughs> that's the great. opportunities rise right yeah. there well we're running out of time we only got to one article today but we're running out of time <laughs> but I, I felt like it was a hell of a show listen yeah. listen sometimes you have to go back to your writs and <laughs> you have to understand why do we do this to begin with like what what is the what is the point and the purpose and if you if you daily remind yourself of that meaning that you're pursuing in life and you remind yourself what gets you out of bed every single morning and, and for us and hopefully for y'all out there, too, it's it's about creating a better society and spreading this message that we all believe in that is going to make life better for them, for the most amount of people. You know, we get flack all the time for being selfish. And now we can go into the Ayn Rand thing, whatever we're we're not compassionate. Libertarians aren't compassionate. We're <laughs> selfish. We only care about ourselves. But actually, the opposite is true. We care about everyone. And we care about everyone's selfish, self-interested uh endeavors that they want to follow. Uh as long as you don't violate anybody else's rights. Like we, we care about healthcare being affordable. We care about education being affordable. We care about children not dying. We care we are against death. Strong and, stance yes. against death. And so it's like the the policies and the things that we advocate for what, where people call us heartless, I—it's I, the complete opposite. I get out of bed every single day because I actually care about people being as successful as they possibly can. You know, I—I I, I truly, deep down in my core, you know, I—I I was presented an opportunity one time. I'll close with this, and Nate, you have to lead us out, um, because I have to join a call here. But I—I I was presented an opportunity one time. I was a—I was a co-owner co-owner in a business, and I had a. a a third of the shares of this corporation, a small business that was, that was making its way. And uh, I was told that my political beliefs and my political postings and, and this show, Good Morning Liberty, uh, interfered with, uh, the business and gave the business a bad name because I had bad views because I wasn't progressive, obviously. And the industry I was in was yeah. fueled by a lot of progressives, right? And they, they said I had to make a choice, either stop doing this podcast, stop posting about political things or, um, leave the company basically. And I examined that for a long time because this is something I had put a lot of time and money into that I really believed in. And I I believed it could be a good business. And I pondered that question and I was like, I would not be able to live with myself If I did not pursue what I found to be the most meaningful thing uh, in my life, which is helping people achieve the most amount of success possible through advocating policies and societies that allow people to do that. And so I I left the company. They they bought me out, actually. And I left and I was like, it's not worth it for me. I, I, I could not live with myself not advocating for what I advocate for. And that's how much I believe in this. I so. like
1: it, man. I'm glad you chose that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, we're, we're still friends. We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
0: I, after I bought you out, you know, everything's fine. I told that company, I'm like, uh-huh. these colors don't float, man. <laughs> they just don't float. So I got to go. <laughs> these
1: colors don't float. All right.
0: This boat don't run. All right. Good to talk to you guys. Subscribe <laughs> and share the show. Nate, take us on out of here. Yeah, like what Charlie just said, you guys go subscribe,
1: Shub Share to this show. That's the main thing that you need to do is Shub Share. And a lot of people haven't been doing that lately, and I can't figure out why. So hit that Shub Share button. It's right next to the Subscribe button. It's a new one they just added on there. So go check that out. A lot of people have been subscribing. We've been getting some great feedback, people coming over from Wealth, Power, and Influence, people coming over from Lines of Liberty, people coming over from seeing us on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and all these things, and we just love you guys so much for coming here. Guys, there is a way to make the best life possible. There's a way for all of this crazy mess that's going on to not ruin your life, to not be panicked, and to not be depressed through all this crazy economic turmoil that's going on, and we're going to try to help solve that problem and point everyone in the right direction. We do this every single day of the week when we want to and i'm very happy to be back in the studio today it just sounded just everything went swimmingly today just amazing love it all right guys you do all of those things make sure that you should share and we will be right back here again tomorrow until then have a good day and a good morning liberty